Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Well, greetings again from Vienna, Austria, and the honeymoon edition of the Daily Audio Bible, uh, episode 2118 in I'm just so glad to do this with you. You know, we're right in the middle of the King's Sermon, right? Chapters 5 through 7 in the book of Matthew is one big, long sermon, and there is just so much in there we could dig into. We're kind of taking it in a slow, pokey way and doing something a little different than we normally do around here um, on the Daily Audio Bible. Uh, Another week or week and a half, we'll be back to doing our typical pattern of reading through the Bible in a year. In the meantime, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at today, and I think it's useful to remember the context of this sermon in the history of redemption, right? In a sense, the good question to ask is, how does Matthew's gospel containing the Sermon on the Mount fit with the story of the Old Testament? And over, over, we see Matthew use phrases like, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, right? Matthew is deeply concerned to show the continuity between his gospel, right? His account of Jesus's life and good news with the Old Testament, right? And this continuity is highlighted in the life of Jesus. We see that concern in uh, in a number of ways, not least of which is seeing that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, right? He is the king of the long-awaited kingdom. And of course, what that means for you and me is that the now and not yet of God's kingdom, right? Jesus said the kingdom's now here. <laughs> and that means it was has been here for 2,000 years. And now we have a new place to touch down with regard to going, what does this mean for us? It's already done. Salvation has happened. Should we be in Christ with him as Lord and Savior? And yet we wait for ultimate consummation, that ultimate stroke of justice. Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need 
before you ask him. Uh, my friends, I'm going to pause right here because one of the things that I think it's useful to, to, to do is step back sometimes and think about the context of what we're reading. And if you've been with me any period of time, you know this is a daily audio Bible and we do a Bible read-through, so it's not usually me commenting every, <laughs> every few verses like we're kind of doing on the fly for the honeymoon edition. But these two passages back to back help us understand something of what what God is saying um, in a way that sometimes gets lost, right? I've heard, particularly since I'm working on my doctorate in spiritual formation, I've heard people go, oh, see right there, you when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door and pray. And they take that description and make it prescriptive. Are you with me? No, no, there's nothing wrong with doing that in private. But what is the point of both this passage about how to pray and the previous passage about how to give? God is saying that it is a heart level issue, right? If you give to be seen by others to, to win the approval of your fellow human beings, your heart's in the wrong place, right? You should give because that is the heart of God including taking care of, say, giving to the poor, the example that was used here. And similarly with, with praying, right? What were all the pagan religions about? Well, frankly, all religion and religiosity is about doing something to get to God, right? Christianity flips that on its head. It's in diametrically opposite. God did this to get to you now respond. And so in both of those cases, it's talking about doing something in secret because that's a function of, at a heart level, trusting God and God that God sees and knows who you really are on the inside as opposed to what is seen on the outside, like praying, standing on the street corner or babbling like the Gentiles. Continuing, therefore, You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name is be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and I'm going to pause. Do you remember the King James language right there? You cannot serve both God and money, is what most of our contemporary English translations say. But I got to pause here because there's a lot of Jesus talking about heart level stuff here, right? And this is Matthew 6, 24 that closes out. You can't serve both God and money. Now, we got to be careful because God's not saying money is wrong. Remember that the language of love-hate in the Bible very often is directional, right? Unless you hate your parents and love Jesus, then are they saying you should really actually hate your parents? No, they're saying what is a the what is the function of priority? And God has got to be number one, right? You can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. But remember the King James language? For those of you who've seen a mile or two of the road like me, you cannot serve both God and mammon. I, I always find it kind of interesting that, that, the, that the original language of you can't serve God and mammon when, I mean... There's some really smart people, William Tyndale and, and Luther and the various Wycliffe and the various people that did early Bible translations into English or out of, out of the native language, kept in the word mammon. Why would they do that? Right? Go read the King James language. It's all in the uh, King James version. And it's all in English. And then it goes, you can't serve both God and mammon. Well, it's because it's more than money. It's stuff. You can't serve the farm. You can't serve the office. You can't serve the extra that you have to work to pay for the beach house. Are you with me? You can't serve both God and money. There's a question of a heart level issue. And when I think it begs us to ask the question, well, what does it mean to serve God over and above money? Sometimes that will be sacrificial giving and how it touches down for you will be, will be different than it touches down for somebody else. But remember this, oftentimes it does mean that you're going to be making a choice about how you serve God. And of course, what did Jesus say? If you love me, love, you know, you'll, you'll love your neighbor. Well, what does that mean to love your neighbor? Ah, sometimes I'm going to be making choices that, uh, that actually have a cost to them. All right, the very final little section we have here uh, is, um, at least in my Bible, got a little header that says the cure for anxiety. Don't know if I would want to call it the cure, but I think it's useful to think about it that way. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment 
to his lifespan by worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow, don't they? They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the field, the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the (laughs) the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that gets us up through chapter six. And uh, I'll just have to say, if there is something to remember about this particular sermon, um, Jesus impresses upon us heart level issues over and over and over. And if there is something to maybe just to, to take away from this middle section that we just got done reading, it's that this, it's that um, there is a very personal response that is, that is something that only you very frequently will know. Sometimes that'll touch down with how you give or don't give, and only you know if you're giving sacrificially or not. Sometimes that might be in terms of how you um, do something in relationship, you know, right? Like some relationship at church or maybe relationship in your home. Uh, If you're a parent, you know how many times you've made a sacrifice and you, your kids have no idea how much of a sacrifice you made for them or for your significant other. You don't, they don't know when you, when you did or didn't um, do something deep in your heart uh, that was the right thing. And yet over and over here, God, uh, Jesus is saying, God sees that. And that's a good thing to just remember. I love you. Thanks for being on this uh, journey with me. Amen. Amen.